morning. Morning. Again, glad to see you guys here today. If you're a guest with us or just back for the first time in a long time, you picked a good week to come to church because we're kicking off a brand new series this week called You Asked For It. Basically, we, like the video said, asked the community, asked you all uh, at Easter time and just took a survey of all the questions and we're going to answer over these next five weeks together the five most asked questions. Some of you asked about end times. I mean, there were some great questions questions in times. When is Jesus going to come back? For the record, I have no idea. Okay. I was, I was voted on the welcoming committee, not the planning committee. So you have to get with somebody else. I, I understand it was supposed to happen on Saturday. From what I understand, the, the interwebs told me yet here we are. So uh, I don't, I'm not sure how that worked out. Others of you asked why KU sucks at football. I don't know. It breaks my heart, though, okay? So if we're working on it, that's all I can say. I, I'm not sure what, what else to say about that. Somebody else asked why nudity is bad. If uh, if God created us naked, how come we're, we're not still all naked? And, and the answer to that is, is sin. Screwed that up for everybody, okay? So, so you can try it if you want. I mean, you can go out... Go out in public naked if you want. Let me know what the judge says when uh, when that works its way. Do not mention New Anthem in any of that, okay? Just for the record. My pastor said to try it. God said we could. No, okay? But seriously, don't, don't say anything about me. So some questions were funny. Others were quite serious. This morning we're going to talk about one of the serious ones, and, and uh, we're going to focus our attention on how to read the Bible. The, the question was actually how do I study? the Bible, but this morning is going to be much more on how do I actually read the Bible, because if you don't know how to read the Bible, then you studying the Bible is not going to do any good. In fact, it's quite dangerous for you to study the Bible if you don't know how to read the Bible. It's, it's quite frankly how every cult ever got started uh, was because people didn't know how to read the Bible, people misinterpreting the Bible. Furthermore, on our first Wednesday service, the, the, this coming Wednesday, we're going to talk about how to study the Bible. That's going to be our first subject. We're going to go deep into that. So this morning, we just need to figure out how do we read the Bible, which here's the reason this is such a big deal. Aside from the fact that you asked for it, this is one of your most asked questions. Uh, for the most part, Americans are biblically illiterate. Researchers George Gallup and Jim Castelli did a study on this. Here's how they introduced their findings. They said, Americans revere the Bible, which, which means they hold it in high regard, but by and large, they don't ever read it. And because they don't read it, they have become a nation of biblical illiterates. How bad is it? Fewer than half of all adults can name the four Gospels. Many Christians cannot identify more than two or three of the twelve disciples. Sixty percent of Americans can't name five of the Ten Commandments. Eighty-two percent of Americans believe God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. It's not. Uh, I think Thomas Jefferson is who said that. Uh, A majority of adults think the Bible teaches that the most important purpose in life is taking care of one's family. 12% of adults believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. That's that's not the case. Uh, This is all true. 50% of respondents thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. And just under half indicated that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. Now, again, we laugh. Some of that is comical, but if it, it's tragic. 
Now, listen to me. I'm, I'm not here to, if, if you thought Billy Graham preached that sermon or you can't name your Ten Commandments, my, my point in sharing with that was not to shame you, rather is to help us understand that the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. And Jesus said the greatest thing that you can do, the great commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, it, and again, to, to do that, you have to know His Word. You have to read it, which I believe many people in their own minds think, well, if God just spoke to me, then I would believe in Him. I, I would do what He said. Like, He showed up to Moses in a burning bush. If I just got a burning bush, I could trust in God. And the truth of the matter is, He has spoken to you. This is your burning bush. These are His actual words to you. It's, it's a bush that's not being consumed. And I love what John Piper said. He said, if you want to see God speak, read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak, read your Bible out loud. And that's how you can hear the words of God. Now, I'm making the assumption that if you're wanting to read the Bible, if you're asking about that and and to study the Bible, then you've already accepted it as true. But if you're here this morning and you're like, I don't know if we can even believe the Bible, Pastor. I'm not sure I can trust it. Somebody asked me that for this series in 2015. So if you want to go back and, and check that out online, it's there. And I can just tell you that you don't have to trust the Bible just because the Bible says to trust it, although it does. You can, in fact, trust the Bible for a whole host of academic and logical reasons. There's a lot of of truth that we have found to prove uh, the Bible and the 66 books contained in it. So again, you can check that out. But that being said, let's chat about a couple of the problems and let's work through the solutions on, on how to read the Bible. This is probably more graphic than you wanted. I'm not sure how else to help you. Okay, so I'll apologize on the front end of this. But most people fall into one of two categories when it comes to reading the Bible. Either they're a spiritual bulimic, you can regurgitate information, but you're not getting any of its nutrients. A spiritual bulimic asks how the Bible can serve them instead of asking how they can serve the God that it proclaims. I fear in our culture we have a lot of spiritual bulimics. I mean, you you have right now access to hundreds if not thousands of different Bible studies on your phone. You can, you can Google people that preach way better than I do. You can, you can find all kinds of information. And, and what's, what's sad is most people can repeat the information, but they have no idea if it's accurate or even in the Bible to begin with. Hence the God helps those who help themselves quandary that we're in. So, so people are spiritually bulimic, but there's also people who are spiritually anorexic. Spiritual anorexics are those who are starving themselves by simply skimming over parts or, or not reading it at all. So they look in the mirror, they believe they're good, they, they know God, they know Jesus. They're, uh, the fact of the matter is, though, that they're whitewashed tombs. On the outside, it f- seems like things are good, but on the inside, they're dying. Why? Because man does not live by bread alone, but by the very words of God. Can I get an amen, somebody? So we need to, 
to get the words of God within our souls, deep into our spirit lives. And, and here's why both of these things are dangerous. If you're spiritually believing or you're spiritually anorexic, here's why this is dangerous. Because if we're not putting the words of God into our lives, invariably we start living vicariously through other people. We try and walk their walk with God instead of establishing and maintaining our own. And when you can't spiritually sustain yourself, you eventually will get bored or disenchanted. And so you've got to go out and you got to find new teachings and, and new studies and new sermons and new books. You start saying things like, well, I'm just not being fed you know, around here. I, I, I need to be fed. I got to find somewhere that can feed me, which is why we have the epidemic that we have of, of people just church shopping and, and nobody can name the commandments and anything like that. Now, listen to me. Some of that is legitimate. There's a lot of churches out there who have quit preaching the Bible and the gospel, so I don't want to downplay that at all. So, I mean, if, if that's what you feel like, you need to go find that. If that's how you landed here, great, uh, because we'll always preach the Bible. And if you find a better church out there, do me a favor, burn it to the ground, okay? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But do what you need to do, right? I mean, but, but make sure you're getting involved in there, preaching the Bible and the gospel. Just for the record, you're going to have a f- hard time finding, though, the passage that says, my job is to feed you like you're some kind of baby bird that comes in on Sunday and I just vomit truth into your mouth. Okay, that's... That's not how this works. You'll absolutely find the passage, though, that says my job is to equip you, to teach you how to feed yourself. And that's what my goal for you each is today. So what do we do? How can we start reading the Bible? What are the next steps? Let's talk about what you'll need. Okay, first of all, you're going to need a Bible. That seems fairly obvious and straightforward. The problem is, what kind of Bible should we get? Honestly, this is where knowing yourself comes in a little bit handy, because here's my answer. Whatever one you'll read. Like, I'm not big on different translations and and all these things. I just want you reading the Bible. We're talking about reading right now, okay? So if, if we get in the conversation about studying, which we will here in a little bit, uh, that's a little bit different, but certainly there are some things that, that happen within reading and it is studying, so I get all that, but I'll get to that here in a second. What's cool about the world that we live in, there are literally hundreds of different translations right now on your phone. You can pull out your smartphone down the Version Bible app and you can get every translation, Amplified Version, American Standard Version, Common English Bible, Christian Standard Bible, English Standard Version, Good News Bible, Good News Translation, Holman Christian Standard Bible, King James, the New King James, The Message, New Century Version, New International Version. That's not even half my list. Okay, the list goes on and on. So how do you choose? Again, what, what will you read? I don't care if it's the Jesus Storybook Bible. That's what I read to my kids uh, in the evenings. It's great. In fact, it's so good. We give one to every new family that comes to check their kids and kids' ministry because we want them having uh, a, a Bible. So if that's what it takes to get you to read the Bible, then read the storybook Bible. But for the sake of helping you today, break this up into three categories. If you're new to the faith, if you haven't really ever opened the Bible or read the Bible, get the Story Bible by Max Lucado. Okay, it's fantastic. It'll read like a narrative. We, in fact, give that to new believers. If, 
if uh, somebody indicates to us that they've accepted Christ here at New Anthem, we, we give them the Jesus story or the story Bible because it's such an easy read to get through what the, the main point of the Bible is. If you've been reading the Bible for a little while, uh, you kind of feel like you have a grasp for what it says, I'd recommend uh, that you read the NIV. It's a good kind of translation. Uh, it's called a thought-for-thought translation. It's simple yet, yet very thorough. And you can get through that without getting hung up on a lot of, of weird words or anything like that. So the, the NIV is great. If you're really wanting to, to study the Bible and you've been reading the Bible for a long time, you want to get on a deeper level, I would recommend the ESV Study Bible, English Standard Version Study Bible, in case you're wondering each week when, when I preach, I use the ESV. Okay, that's what we give out in the back as well. So Again, if, you, if you're going to read the Bible, though, you need a Bible. Get whatever translation you're going to read, whether that's a paraphrase and it's just kind of walking you through the big thoughts, or if it's a word-for-word translation, fine. Uh, but, but get a Bible that makes sense with where you're at spiritually. Here's the second thing you're going to need. A consistent time and place. A consistent time and plays. Here's why that's a big deal, because I already know what many of you are thinking. It's the same thing that I thought when Bible reading wasn't a habit for me, and that is I don't have time. The reason I don't read my Bible is because I don't have time. As a pastor, sure, you do. I get it. You get paid to read the Bible. You can do it all that you want. It's easy for you. Just for the record, I have a study time that I do for these messages that I've prepare each week. And then I have my own personal study time Monday through Friday, because I don't want to ask you to do anything that I myself am not willing to do. Okay. And so I don't do my own personal study during work hours. I get up Monday through Friday, six o'clock and and read my Bible. Got a plan that takes me through the entire Bible in a year for five days a week. So Monday through Friday is, is what my Bible plan does. So let me say it this way. You have the same amount of time that everybody else has. Okay, it's not like you get 22 hours, everybody else gets 24. You're on the short end. Uh, it's, not, it's not how it works. You may feel like that, okay, and maybe legitimately so, but it's probably because you're living outside your means and trying to accomplish a lifestyle that God never intended for you. And if that hit too close to home, I don't apologize. But that's a different message. So here's the bottom line. If you don't decide on a specific time and place right now, you're never going to do this. And you know it's true. It's why every year you tell yourself, well, I'm going to do such and such, and you set some goals and they never get done. I uh, was reading a book a while back called The Operator, Firing the Shots That Killed Osama Bin Laden, which I'm not endorsing the book. I'm just telling you I read it. Uh, It was something that struck me within the book. It's a former Navy SEAL who wrote it, and the whole first section of the book was all about getting through the training, and and I'm sure you've seen the the shows on Discovery Channel and all that about Hell Week and bear crawls and drown proofing. It's, It's crazy, but The author Robert O'Neill says this about training. He says, It's not impossible, but very hard, followed by something even more difficult, which is immediately followed by something even harder, day after day for eight months. However, he doesn't recommend facing a challenge with that mentality. The key to achieving a long-term goal is to focus on little victories. So if, if your goal is to read through your Bible, you've got to focus on some small things. Listen to what he, his uh, uh, instructor said. He followed the advice of his instructor. He said, just think of waking up in time, making the bed properly, brushing your teeth, and being on time for the 5 a.m. training. 
Afterwards, just worry about making it to lunch. After that, worry about making it to dinner. After dinner, just worry about getting into your perfectly bed made. Perfectly made bed. Whatever I'm trying to say. If the bed is made the right way, no matter how bad the day was, you'll have a sense of accomplishment for the next day. And when you think of quitting, think, I will not abandon now. I will quit tomorrow. Instructor said, all I'm asking you to do is one thing. No matter what, never quit that one thing and you will be fine. What I'm asking you to do is never quit one thing, which is find a consistent time and place to read your Bible. The goal is not necessarily that you should set out to read it for an hour. The goal probably shouldn't even be for you to make it through the entire thing. Just get through either the Old Testament or the New Testament within a year. But if you'll just start small, because small plus small plus small throughout the course of 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever God gives you, equals something huge. And you'll surprise yourself. Which, let me add this about consistency. It's a lot easier with a partner. That's why people have to hire personal trainers because on some level we all need accountability. So if you're married, do this together. Your boyfriend and girlfriend, get up in the mornings, go to breakfast. You got some guy friends, girlfriends, whatever. Get up in the morning, go to breakfast early and do this. If Bible reading is not a habit for you, science says it takes 21 days. To, to develop a habit. So for three weeks, get a partner to hold you accountable until this becomes a habit. And then afterwards, hopefully the, the h- habit of the whole thing, it will stick. Okay? You need a consistent time and place. Here's number three. You need a reading plan. Got to have a reading plan. Again, this is why when you go to the gym that first week of January, it's a nightmare. But the good news is just stay there for about three days and everybody else is going to quit because they don't have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you're just going to try and open up the Bible and you're going to skip stuff and you're going to get bored and you're not going to know what certain stories mean because you've skipped over all the background stuff and, and you need a plan. Imagine opening up any other book in your life and just starting in the middle. You're, you're not going to have any idea what it says or what it means. So you've got to have a Bible reading plan. There's some great ones. In fact, if you pick up one of the daily bread uh, little pamphlets that we have back there, it's got a Bible reading plan in it. You can get through the, the whole New Testament or the whole Bible. It's got either one uh, in a year. And it's all right there for you. A lot of Bibles, if you buy a study Bible, have a Bible reading plan in the back of it. But you've got to have a plan. Plan. And there's no rules on how much you have to read. Start simple. Start small. Be realistic. Okay? Got to have a plan. Here's the other thing you need. A pen and a highlighter. Got to have a pen and a highlighter. Why? Because as you begin reading, there will be things that kind of jump off at the page uh, at you. And if you've been here for any time at all, you've heard me say, if you've got a pen, circle, under, star, highlight, whatever you do in your Bible, that phrase, that word, whatever it is, because uh, that's important. If you're reading something, you can f- feel compelled by it. Like, what do you think that means? Who do you think is illuminating that truth to you? I would contend that it's God, the Holy Spirit, saying, Hey, hey, right here, 
This is me speaking to you. You wanted it. You asked for it. Here I am. It's certainly not the devil, right? I mean, it's not yourself. This is, this is God lighting up truth for you. This can help. So you need a pen or, and a highlighter. What else do you need? A calendar. You need a calendar. If this is not a habit for you, you're going to need a calendar. Surely you've picked up on the fact that you can do a whole host of activities without being distracted by them, yet you can't read your Bible or pray for more than 1.2 seconds without your mind going somewhere. Okay, that's not coincidence. In a couple of weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Some of you have asked about spiritual warfare. Is that a real thing? Yes, very much so. But uh, when you're reading the Bible, if something pops up in your mind, there's a distraction. You can just write it down. That's what you need your pen for in your calendar. And then you can go back to reading intently. And if something else pops up, then you just write it down, refocus, get back to reading. Okay, finally, you're going to need a journal, a journal. Now, Listen to me, because I know some of the guys are freaking out about this. It's not a diary, okay? It's a journal. It's not, dear diary, Laura was mean to me today. Don't know what her problem is. Okay? I mean, that's not, that's not what you're doing here, okay? You're going to be journaling something. I'm going to talk a little bit about what you journal uh, in a second. But so maybe this will help you. Here's how all this works. You have your Bible. You have your consistent time and place. You have your Bible reading plan, which again, start small. 15 minutes a day is all you need. Because listen to me, uh, I'll put this in perspective for you. According to Kansas fluency charts, a fifth grader can read 150 words a minute. So I'm assuming as most of you are older than fifth grade, you can read at least at a fifth grade level. If you read 15 minutes, that's 2,250 words per session. The Bible average one roughly has 783,000 words, which you can do the math, but I'll just tell you that if you read through the Bible for 348 days at a fifth grade reading level, you'll make it through the whole thing. You still got, what is that, 17 days a vacation. You don't even have to read that mug. You know what I'm saying? You can get through this is my point for 15 minutes a day. So start small, but you got your Bible, you got your consistent time and place. You got your reading plan. So you know what to read. You, you pray to God, God, show me what you need to show me this morning. And then you read, which let's talk about that for a second, because God help us. Most schools are not even teaching kids how to read anymore. I mean, they teach them a sentence, but they don't understand anything that they just read. So let's, let's chat about this. How should you read your Bible? Number one, you've got to read carefully. Read carefully. What does that mean? Well, you have to understand what you're reading. We think about something for a second. If you're old, like super old, you, you used to write letters. Does anybody remember this? Like on, like actual paper and, and probably feather pens and ink. I don't know how it all works, but but, but you, you wrote letters and, and you would read these letters a certain way. You wouldn't start right in the middle. And uh, if, if, especially if it was somebody that you cared about or, or, or that you felt like you loved or they loved you, maybe whatever it was, you're, you're at war or something. I, again, I don't know the letters, but, but you'd say, Dear Landon. And you'd say, Ooh, I wonder if, I wonder if they call everybody dear. Or if it's just everybody else is landing, but I'm, 
I'm dear Landon or, or, or however they sign it. You know what I mean? Like you were, you were intent on reading every word and how they wrote it and, and all of these things when you got a letter. Sometimes it's true for email, I guess. I mean, you, you try and figure out, uh, how that person is talking to you. It's, it's, I hate email because I can never understand, you know, if people are being sarcastic or pretentious or whatever, it just doesn't work for me. But, uh, the Bible's the same way. These, these are the very words of God spoken to you. Some of them are, in fact, letters. You've got to read it carefully. You need to know what you're reading. There's poetry in here, which is not the same as a narrative story, so you can't read it that way. There's prophecy in here, which is not the same thing as literal discourse, so you can't read it that way. There are certain things written specifically for that time and group of people who are going to be reading it. So it's descriptive. It's not prescriptive of how we should be operating in the world today. So you got to know what you're reading and, and, uh, and how to read it. So, which is why you have to read it carefully. Which is also why sometimes it's helpful to have that study Bible so you know exactly what you're reading. You, you can understand how to read poetry and, and how to read the story and all of these types of things. But you need to know what sort of literary form you're looking at. So you've got to read carefully. Here's number two. You've got to read patiently. Read it carefully. Read it patiently. Don't just try and get through it as fast as you can to say you did it. Anybody else have silent reading time in school? I remember this like it was yesterday, and you just sat there and you tried to get through that mug as fast as you can, like you're like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger on that movie Twins. You know, he's like, and Danny DeVito's like, what are you doing? Nobody knows what I'm talking about. That's okay. Don't watch that movie. Okay, that's 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 old. I don't even know where I got that. Uh, but it's not a contest. Okay, you're not trying to see how fast you can get through it. What's kind of unfortunate is the Bible often compares itself to food. And it says it starts out as spiritual milk and you gradually work up to solid food. The, the, the rough part about that is that analogy is kind of lost in our culture. Because we just try and eat as fast as we can to get through it. I mean, we're in our cars while we're eating. When I lived in town, I used to ride my bike to the office. and I'd be dodging people because they'd be shoving breakfast in their mouth, not paying any attention. And so the whole food idea is a little bit uh, lost, but that's not how they did it back then. Meals took hours, hand-prepared, cooked, and, and it was a big event. They were not in a hurry. When you read your Bible, you've got to think of it as a meal. You can't be in a hurry. Every word in the Bible matters. They were all spoken by God. There's a point to each one of them. God does not do anything on accident. So you got to be patient in your reading. Carefully. Patiently. Here's what else you have to do. You have to read it repeatedly. Carefully. Patiently. Repeatedly. Your ability to study grows just like anything you do in life. Stuff takes practice. Okay, you athletes did not come out of the womb knowing how to shoot a free throw or throw, pitch a softball. It took time. It took practice. It took repetition. When you're reading the Bible, you need to read verses repeatedly. In fact, if you're going to read for 15 minutes, then I challenge you to do something that takes five minutes and do it three times. Read five. Go back. Read five. Go back. Read five. There's your 15. Go through things with a fine-tooth comb. So you've got your 
time and place. It's consistent. You've got the translation of the Bible you're actually going to read. You've got your plan so you know what to read. It's only going to take you five minutes so that you can be patient and you can be careful and you can read it repeatedly for 15 minutes. Then you've got your pen and calendar. That way if anything pops up in your mind, you can, you can jot it down. Then you can get back to reading. You've got your highlighter so if any verse kind of speaks to you, you can highlight that verse. Then you've got your journal. Here's what you do with the journal. You pick the one verse. Okay, there are a bunch of you highlighted. Just pick one. Write that verse down. Like the whole thing. The one verse. In your journal, write it down. Here's what you do. You write some observations about that verse. Like what, what did the, why do you feel like that jumped out at you? You, you read it carefully. Read it repeatedly. You've noticed some things and you've got to write some observations within the context of that passage. Then you write down what you think God's trying to teach you. Like, how can you apply this to life? Why did this verse jump out at you? Now, notice I didn't say anything about a phone with social media posting on your timeline, talking about all the cool things you're studying, making sure you get your coffee mug centered around the Bible and the notebook all opened up with a really cool filter to get on Instagram. Okay? That's not reading your Bible. That's not studying, okay? It's not how this thing works. But I want us to do a passage together so you can kind of get the hang of how this should all feel, okay? So if you brought a Bible, I hope you did. We're going to be in Luke chapter 9. Go ahead and open it up to there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. There's your four Gospels. If you didn't know them, it's towards the back of your Bible. You want verse 18. My small group has been going through a, uh, a study called Fan or Follower. This is kind of the big passage within that study. Okay? Take a look at this. It's also in your notes or on screen. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? This is Jesus speaking. And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah and others, that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Verse 23, And he said to all, If anyone should come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, then follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me, of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Now, again, if we were doing that on our own, we would read that repeatedly. We don't have time to do that this morning, but a couple things that kind of jump out at me. First of all, why does Jesus say to tell no one? They say, you're the Christ. Absolutely I am. Don't tell a soul. I thought we were supposed to tell everybody that that Jesus was the Messiah. So this was me in my journal. I'd write that question down. Why does God, why does Jesus tell them not to tell anyone? Okay, if you want the answer to that, you can come find me after church. But I said to pick one verse. Okay, there's a whole lot of verses you could have picked. I don't know what one, maybe one spoke to you. The one that most spoke to me was verse 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Okay? I would write that in my journal. Here's my observations. Who 
is this sentence speaking about? Okay, what's the subject of the sentence? Anyone. Anyone is the subject. Okay, so I would write, who is it speaking about? It's speaking of anyone. So one of the observations is that if I'm reading this, anyone can follow Jesus. That's what that said. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, follow me. So anyone can follow Jesus. Praise God, somebody. Okay? Anyone can follow Jesus. That's the first observation. You don't have to clean up your life first. It just says uh, that anyone can follow me. What does it say you have to do? Well, you have to follow. In order to do that, you have to deny yourselves and take up your cross. So who is anyone? What do they have to do to follow? Deny themselves and take up Deny themselves and take up a cross. That's observation number two. When do they have to do it? Daily. Daily. So you've got three observations right there. And all you did was ask yourself who, what, and, and when. And this is how you can read your Bible. Three simple observations. You can do the same thing in Scripture. Other Scriptures. Who, what, when. You could ask yourself How? Because again, how does this apply to you? Well, how do you have to take up your cross? Well, I wonder what that means. Well, it means you've got to, you're giving up your right to do anything. Think about back in Roman time when they were going to crucify a person. That person was, was giving up their life. They were carrying their cross. How does this apply to me? I must need to give something up in my life in order to follow Jesus. And so then you can figure out what that looks like in your life. How is God leading me to do that today? That's what you could write in your journal. And whatever that looks like in your life would be hopefully God's Holy Spirit talking to you. And there you go. You've just successfully read the Bible perhaps more in depth than you ever had before. My point is you can do this. It's not rocket science. You don't have to start by getting some fancy Bible or commentary and get other people's opinions. You can just start reading the Bible, asking questions, and find those questions within Scripture. We'll talk more about that when you learn how to study the Bible. My, my point is you can read the Bible. And the goal would be that this pushes you a little bit deeper. Okay, so let me kind of land the plane and close like this. I think, I think most Americans take for granted the fact that the Bible is available to us. And and many of you probably have multiple Bibles in your house right now. So one of the reasons we don't read it is because we're kind of indifferent to its historical significance. Like setting aside the fact that these are the very words of God, there have been some huge sacrifices made to ensure that you have access to read it. We have a huge debt of gratitude to owe, we owe to a guy named Jerome. Jerome in 400 A.D. translated the Bible into Latin. That version came to a guy named John Wycliffe. He took that. He began to translate from the Latin into English. He was labeled a heretic. He was persecuted. If you got a copy of his Bible, you were told to never pull it out or you too would be persecuted. Then came along a guy named William Tyndale. Tyndale thought the Latin to English translation might have missed a few key nuances that, that, that God intended. So he took the original Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic manuscripts and began to translate those into English. Keep in mind at this point in time, the only people who could read the Bible were priests. 
So there was a lot of power held within the church because who are you to disagree with the Bible? Even though you don't know what it actually says because you can't read it, they would chain it to their pulpits back in the day so they could make you do literally whatever they wanted. And it's the case in all situations when somebody loses power, the, uh, they don't like it. Well, the church doesn't like it. So in 1536, before Tyndale could finish translating the Old Testament, he was executed. And then his body was burned. Tyndale's associate, John Rogers, ultimately completed translating the Old Testament, but then he too was murdered. My point is simply this. The Bible that we hold in our hands is a result of men and women who have laid down their lives to get it to us. And it's worth our lives to study it. This is not a book that we should take lightly. This is not a check mark on some spiritual discipline to-do list. This is not ever something that should be done with a cavalier attitude. So much is at stake here. Discipleship and transforming yourself into the image of Christ, which is what God says is His goal for you. to transform you from one degree of glory to the next. So make no mistake. The books that you read, the shows that you watch, the music you listen to, it's all discipling you. In most cases, it's normalizing things that are abnormal and unnatural and that the Bible would call sinful and wicked, and you have no way to defend yourselves when people say otherwise. Far be it from us to leave this treasure collecting dust on a nightstand or tucked away in a drawer somewhere. This Bible tells the unbelievable story of how the Creator of the universe entered into human history and died on a cross in order for you to be made right with God. Because you have sin in your life. And the only way for for God to, to be in a relationship with you is to get that sin out of your life. And the only way for Him to do that was to send His Son, a sinless human being, to die on a cross and to take away your punishment of sin, which is death, and an eternity apart from Him. The least you could do is figure out what He's trying to communicate in the words that He's spoken to you. Come on, somebody. God intended for you to read this. Men who have given their lives intended that you would read this and learn and study and grow so you could be like Christ. Don't take this lightly. Find your time and place right now. Think in your mind, I'm doing this tomorrow. Just like our Navy SEAL boy. Start small. Think tomorrow. Don't think I'm trying to get through it in a year. Small steps baby steps. Figure out what to read and when you'll read it. And then do what I talked about with the journaling and the whole bit. And I promise you, you're going to surprise yourself. You're going to be in conversations and people are going to be like, how did you even know that? And you're going to be like, I don't know. God's speaking to me. Okay, let's pray. God, again, we just humbly submit ourselves before you this morning and say thank you. Thank you for being with us in this time together. Thank you for sending us these words, the men who have recorded them through the power of the Holy Spirit, how they've reached us in this year, 2017, and to our English language, God, we just uh, are so thankful to be able to hear from You, to open up our Bible and to hear You speak. God, I just ask that You give each person here a supernatural compulsion to make this a habit, to each day hear from You, to learn more about You, 
Let this love grow deep in their heart. Help them be fulfilled in their Bible reading. and Learn why things are in there and ask questions and, and just go study to learn more about You, our, our great Father. God, we know that because You're eternal, there's always going to be something new to discover about You, which is why we're thankful for this eternal book that You have given us so we can learn and grow about You. And God, if there's anybody here this morning who hasn't committed their life to you, I just ask that you speak to them in a powerful way. If this is the first time that they've heard about this love that you have for them in Jesus, and they want to be forgiven of their sins, God, I ask that you speak to them right now. If that's you this morning, you're listening to my voice, you're ready to commit your life to Christ. The Bible says that all you have to do is confess in your mouth, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. You'll be saved. So I want to give you a chance to do that just in your own heart. You can pray, God, I'm sorry. I know I have sinned. Please forgive me. Help me live for you. God, we thank you for that life. Thank you for all the lives here this morning. Just ask that you bless them, encourage them as they continue to their day. We ask all this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen.